Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Previously on the Simply Human Podcast. So when I see a cricket now, even if it's just out like, you know, in the street minding its own business, I'll run up to it and just like smash it in the ground. Ah, and like just pulverize it. Just on the off chance that at some point you could get in your house in a later date. And wake me up. Too. It's episode 43 of the Simply Human Podcast with your hosts, Mark and Rick, two human beings being human. Our goal is to help you understand how humans are designed to eat, sleep, move, and enjoy, and how you can start living more like a human today. On today's show, it's a conversation with the CEO and co-founder of Dan's Plan, researcher, author, speaker, and former strength coach Dan Party. Then it's another moderately funny edition of the Humans Being Human segment with Tim Walker, or is that Tim Wacker? We'll get to that. And we'll wrap up with our Simply Human tip of the week. How are you, Rick? Terrific, Mark. How are you? I'm good. Uh, okay, episode 42. <laughs> I forgot to bleep out a couple of words. Which words were they? Uh, the worms. The worms. <laughs> did I say worms or did you say worms? Did it, or did I? Uh, what just happened there? So when um, uh, we recorded and then I edited about you know four or five days later and it was the word that rhymed with your name and started with the letter D. So uh, you got to I mean, bleep that out. Well, technically, that's I mean that's someone's uh, name. I guess it's we, true. I guess it's true. You I know. Make it family friendly. Yeah, when it's used in that. Um, context. You're not talking about the uh, actor that played Darren on Bewitched, right? Exactly, uh, Dick Sargent Dick, or Dick Van Dyke. You know, it, yeah. so I, I didn't, I didn't like take it down because it wasn't like the F word or something that's also not like, you know, like when, that's... when we are doing an interview with someone who is free with the language, Mark will basically like keep track of like, okay, like when we did one with Vinnie Tortorich, cri- crime and yeah. you had to like basically like write down times like, okay, got to go back and got to go back and get that one, got to go back and that one. But like, uh, you didn't necessarily keep track of when. Right. I, yeah. Set. I just, and then I thought of it cause I was listening to the show right when it posted just to make sure everything was right. And it, and I just remembered. I the word wasn't said. I just went because oh, I remembered saying I'm going to bleep that out later. And then was I, it me? That, did I say that? Yeah. Well, you. It was when you said uh, you said what a blank to the person oh. who cut you off. And then I said it like the word was, and I was going to bleep that out too. That was going to be that was going to be funny. But it, like oh. on the on the show, it's like yeah, I'll bleep that out. And then you. Well, I'm sorry for ruining the podcast. You, well, I said it too. It's just like oh well, just, you should be sorry. Too, yeah, I know. Idiot. Uh, other than that, uh, is there another word? You said a couple of words. No, that was just it. It was just that oh. word. And see, when, whenever I whenever I remembered, and I, I couldn't remember what, what word it was. And so I was going, oh, no, 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 no. Like, what if it was, you know, something worse than, you know, because that's like kind of saying like a, you know, like a donkey is also an ass. Like there's, you know, it's, a, it's just Or like kind my of, favorite verse from the Bible, he tied his ass to a tree. You're right. Exactly. So that's obviously not a, a curse word. So it, By the it's way, all, do you find it, so, you know me, you probably know me better than most people, probably better than like everybody, a small handful. Do you find it somewhat miraculous that I'm able to do this show with you, and st- and like not swear, you know, for like I, fifteen to twenty minutes at a time? Not really, because I, I think maybe if you were like a single guy that didn't have to have you did, you don't have practice 
reeling it uh, in. Very good. You know, like you have kids, so it's like, you know, and, and you know, it's kind of the, you have lots of practice. Um, I have been having some practice catching and eating crickets. Um, I see you, you are so weird. Every time I find and we it, could, you and I, from that standpoint, could not be on opposite ends of the spectrum. <laughs> Me, you've taken crickets and you've processed them into a food-like product and 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 pressed them into a bar and added some things that make it not taste like crickets. And it's all I can do to eat that. And then on your end, you're crawling around in the yard <laughs> with probably no clothes on and like a headband and like your face camo painted, grabbing live crickets. With a, with a GoPro, like making yeah. my own TV show. Grabbing crickets and eating them. Yeah, well, I put, so I, put, I'm, weird. I put some of them in a protein shake. I have a big bag in the freezer. The I know. Gr- you sent me a picture yeah. of it and I was like, that is disgusting. The girls, are, you know, the girls are like, I'll catch one in the house. And like if I catch you outside, crickets, listen up, crickets. If I catch you outside, there's a there's a chance. Just like when you pull someone over, there's a chance they're either gonna maybe get a ticket, maybe not. It just they're you know depending on what what their reasoning is. So if I catch you outside, there's a chance. If you're feeling generous, you might let them go. Right, or I might just stern warning, or I might just squash them under my foot. <laughs> but you may eat them, or you may destroy them. Yes. Either way, if probably I probably not gonna make it out alive. If I catch you in my house, you are going in the cricket death freezer bag <laughs> there's like 30 crickets in this bag have you ever, did you ever watch that show arrested development no i didn't well and then for the uh people that are listening to this show that have watched that which should be most people you'll understand it's like the bag in the freezer in the refrigerator that job puts in there that says do not eat dead bird <laughs> that's your cricket bag. yeah yeah in and the there's, freezer, there's like like Oh, here's the cricket sack. Yeah, well, she she has her breast milk in the freezer, and she's like, don't put your crickets next to my breast milk. <laughs> that is the most human, simply human <laughs> sentence ever uttered in history of human beings is, don't put your crickets next to my breast milk. Mm, yes. <laughs> and that will be on the... And remember, yeah. don't put your crickets <laughs> next to my breast milk. And for all of you worried about the crickets suffering, it takes literally... Just a matter of seconds. Nope, nobody's worried about that. Yeah, for, <laughs> for nobody cares. It takes a matter of seconds for them to die in the in the freezer bag, uh, and so. But like, I can I can only imagine what they're thinking when I like put them down in the bag, and there's like forty like frozen dead crickets. <laughs> <laughs> they're just well, like. Ah! They're not thinking anything because they're crickets. Oh right, right, of course. They're thinking chirp chirp. <laughs> And that's it. Water. I need water. <laughs> well, they don't even use the pronoun or the verb. They just, yeah, or they don't know what water. Oh, yeah, I guess they would just say chirp, chirp. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, they might say that. Okay, one other thing. I do have a Rick's Cop Corner question that I thought of. Shoot. Well, okay, bad phraseology. Please. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so you're driving along. There's someone cutting in and out of traffic, driving like a maniac. Yes. They're speeding. They're like racing. They're, they're hitting their brakes in front of people. They are acting a fool. Okay. They drive on ahead of you, speed away. Me, me as a policeman, or or you, me you as know, the as just the you as Joe citizen, Joe consumer, okay. Joe highway uh, space consumer, and about you know ten minutes later, they're pulled over on the side of the road with a patrol car behind them. Okay. If I stop and get out and tell and go up to the police officer and say this person almost killed me, blah, 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 blah. Is that something that the police officer would be interested in, or would the police officer pull his gun and shoot me? Uh, I will explain in multiple contexts. First of all, people call in all the time about, like, the highway bad driver. Right. 
a lot of times it's in the context of a reckless driver or depending on the time of day, the time, uh, you know, it could be perceived as a possible drunk driver or someone that's driving hundred miles an hour, cutting people off. People call in about those all the time and they put those out on the radio, at least for my city. And we try to find them. You have to kind of get lucky with those, especially if they're on the highway, you have to have an officer in the right spot because if they're going hundred miles an hour and you don't have an officer two miles down the road, they're probably not going to catch him. But we put those out and we try to find them. Uh, they could be drunk. They could just be, uh, and, and, I think all police officers. It could just be that, Urban Rogers. <laughs> well, the ones that stop cars, the, all the police officers have the same thing in common. They want to, uh, you know, hey, you're driving like a maniac, endangering people. If for nothing else, they're going to get a stern lecture. They're probably going to get a ticket. So more than likely, if you see this person driving all crazy recklessly, and you're like, God, what an idiot. And then like 10 minutes down the road, you see them pulled over. Well, that's probably what's happened. Either that or just some policeman just happened to be doop 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 crazy driver and he stops him. So either way that guy's going to get his medicine. But he's not going to get like a like would he would he possibly get a worse ticket if you had someone say this guy did this to Well, me. let me explain to you. Okay. If I and, and I am uh, I, I feel like I'm a reasonable person and a reasonable mm. rational policeman. Mm. If I have a car stopped uh, on the side of the road and another car pulls up the hairs on the back of my right. neck instantly stand up. I'm a min- I immediately go from like we have you know routine condition orange stop. to yeah. condition red. Like danger, danger. Will Robinson right. probably gun comes out of the holster. I would provide this advice for everyone: if you see a police officer doing a function like that, stopping a car, talking to someone in that manner, uh. Don't go up. Move along. Don't, don't yeah. Move along. Don't uh, interrupt him because you're likely what the response you're going to get is <clears throat> at least from me, and I hate to say this, but I'll be honest, is probably a either gun pointed at you or a get the f in your car and get the f <laughs> out of here. The reason I will use language strongly like that is because uh, I want you to know the gravity of the situation. That hey, you have put me in a threatened position. Get out of here now. Right. I'm not going to have a, hey, uh, just, if you could just hang on for just a second, Joe Citizen, I'm having a conversation with this fellow right now. I don't want it to be friendly. I right. want you to know that I feel threatened. The situation to me feels very dangerous. You need to move along, and I'm going to use the strongest language I can That's, possible. If you get offended by that, I apologize. I don't normally talk to people like that unless the situation calls for me to be very stern with that. Well, that actually that, that explains a lot of that psychology there because, like, you know, like say it's nighttime and – you know, um, um, uh, maybe you know, trying to inch a little closer to Jen. Well, she immediately will say, "Get the f away from me! Get the f out of here!" Like I feel, fi- yes. so she feels threatened yes. when I do that. Okay, that makes well, sense. Well, and that's and, and 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 for me, I've I've thought all these things through. Very, <laughs> I've been a policeman for nine years, and I've thought all these things through. Why I do the things that I do? Why people do the things they do? Cops aren't the best at explaining to people why they do what they do because maybe sometimes they don't understand because it's just simple human instinct. I would much rather get kind of in a threatened situation, throw out a string of F-bombs or a string of really salty language to assume a more dominant position over someone. I would much rather do that than to jump on them and punch them in the face. Right. If I can use Jim my language to as a tool <laughs> to accomplish what I need to accomplish, which ultimately is to get out of any threatening situations or take control of the situation, I will do that. Right. I am also not the kind of cop that goes around like throwing that language out very lightly. Oh, f you and f this. Like th- that doesn't mean that we we just go around treating people with disrespect. Right. Odds are, when you hear a cop use some very 
uh, salty language like that. And that's why. And right. maybe he doesn't understand to explain that why, but that's why. Well, and case in we'll point, and then we'll we'll get to Dan Party. Uh, when I was on the uh, ride along with you, you used that kind of language with the with the man who ended up getting severely burned because he wasn't. Yes, exactly why. Like get out of that situation. Right. The gravity of that situation. That uh, hey, your house is on fire. You're in the garage. Uh, if I would have been, hey, hey, listen, buddy. Right. Uh, let's think this through. Your house is on fire. Yeah. Probably. You, uh, you're bad. You're not a good idea. You're weighing like hurting his feelings by like using some some harsh language with him or him dying. Yes. So it's like I'm sure he would rather that have you right. like. And, use... and you know when I was on SWAT and we would go into a house, you know, it's uh, it, you know, there's a lot of f bombs that get thrown out that way because you want people. You can use your language as a tool. Uh, as long as you, you know, I feel like you should use it carefully and, 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 and don't, you know, don't automatically go to that. But like when you would tell someone, don't you F and move, you're explaining to them the gravity of like, Hey, I'm using really like my language as a tool here to tell you because I don't want to have to go to the next step, which is put hands on you or, you know, or what, what have you. I want you to listen to what I'm saying and it's, I'm conveying a message. So if, for people who are like, out there listening to the show that are like, oh yeah, cops said f me, f you to me one time. It's because more than likely he felt threatened, right? You know, so and don't, you so don't use that kind of language with your kids. Okay. Yes. Oh, but, but uh, real quickly before you move on, uh, one thing we have one more review oh, cool. to uh, holler out uh, from user Deoxyribo. Nice. And I am mispronouncing that. Thank you for your review. We appreciate it. Awesome. Yes. There thank you. you. Okay. So please leave, please leave us a review. Um, on iTunes uh, you can find us online at simplyhumanlifestyle.com there are links to all coupon codes the nutrients and the skinny fat and all that good stuff uh, there's a Facebook page YouTube channel the cricket Rick eating cricket video I had a lot of fun that was a lot of fun yeah, I know. The cricket noises. You did an excellent that. job. Well, that was like, that was iMovie 101 that uh, if anyone's like, that knows iMovie watches the video, they're going to be like, oh yeah, wow, you're a, you're a producing well, genius. Well, out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Simple Human Kids page. I'm also writing for everydaypaleo.com, so check out my stuff there. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at simplehuman52. Email the show at simplehumanlifestyle at gmail.com. Any questions, comments, concerns, you can also email Rick simplyhumanrick at gmail.com there's a store link on the website where you can buy a t-shirt uh, we'd love for you to buy t-shirts we're almost out of them so uh, I'm going to have to order some more soon if you give away my free t-shirt I'm going to punch <laughs> no I wrote your name on it in a big black marker right on over the, the shirt sim- yeah on the <laughs> Billy Madison this is Frank shirt <laughs> yeah so it's I ruined it quick, someone emailed me uh, I think her name was Sarah I forgot to give her a shout out a very nice email that she sent me thank you very much yeah they, she subscribed to the YouTube channel too as yes. well I think I remember that so, all right, without further ado, let's get to Dan of dansplan.com, and we are interviewing him. Uh, we're talking space-time continuum stuff here. We're interviewing him tomorrow, so I'm not sure what we're going to talk to Dan about. Probably sleep and uh, uh, overall wellness. Stuff. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. So here's Dan. Joining us today on the Simply Human podcast, I am pleased to have Dan Pardee. He is the CEO and co-founder of Dan's Plan, 
which is an online wellness and technology company. He's done work in bioinformatics and scientific and medical affairs in the biopharmaceutical industries. He's performed scientific research on diet, exercise, and cancer, and continues to conduct research today in both sleep, neurobiology, and cognitive neuroscience at Stanford University and the University of Leiden. He's presented in Switzerland, Germany, Moscow, Belgium, Netherlands, Turkey, Budapest, and throughout the United States. He was an assistant strength and conditioning coach at the University of San Francisco. And Rick, this is my surprise to you. Okay. Had he chosen to play basketball at Santa Clara, he would have been a teammate oh, of Stephen Steve Nash? P. Nash. Oh, Dan wow. Party, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, it's great to be here. <laughs> well, uh, Rick and I are huge, or I guess were. Can we, are we, can we say we're still huge Dallas Mavericks fans? Uh, man, uh, I, I have so much going on in my life. I, I don't pay too much attention to too many pro sports anymore. I've whittled it down basically to Cowboys. hockey and football. But, yeah. man, back in the day, like, uh, yeah, huge Mavs. So, so that's actually yeah. uh, your, your one degree of separation from uh, all-time Mavs great Steve Nash. <laughs> Uh, it impresses me very much. Dan. It's, very, it's, it's a pleasure to have you on. Thank you for joining us. Absolutely, yes. He is. Uh, he was remarkable in college. So while I, I didn't play for Santa Clara, I did go to USF and I watched the, the Dons. Uh, yeah, the, uh, the alma mater of uh, the great Bill Russell. Right? Yep, that's absolutely right. Yeah, we had an excellent guard, Gerald Walker, who was there when I was there. So there was. It was supposed to be an epic battle between the two, but Nash just crushed us every time. Oh. <laughs> and then, uh, like thirty minutes later, we're going to be finished talking about basketball, and that'll be it. So, <laughs> well, I know you know we, we try to you know thirty minutes goes by really quick. So I, you've got so much going on, Dan, and uh, it's just a, a pleasure. I know we met at Paleo FX. I you were the first talk on Thursday or Friday morning, and I was in the front row and yeah. taking copious notes. And we'll we'll get to that talk in a minute. But kind of give us a little bit about your background and how you got to where you are today. Yeah, sure. So, you know, the story that I often tell uh, is I've always been interested in health and sports. And my my interest in sports as a, at a young age uh, ultimately translated to an interest in, in hard sciences. So uh, I had some injuries when I was younger and I had to try to problem solve those. So I got interested in sports medicine. And the more that I advanced in my academic career, the more I um, realized that I really liked kind of the harder sciences. So, um, you know, it, it was a, a bit hard for me to choose cause I liked everything. Um, but I pursued a master's degree in uh, exercise physiology. While I was there, I studied, uh, energy homeostasis or the regulation of body fat by the brain. Um, and then after that, I, after taking kind of a, uh, a path where I, as you mentioned, work in bioinformatics and did cancer research, I, ultimately worked for a pharmaceutical company that uh, was creating um, drugs for rare disorders. So these are disorders that have less than 200,000 people. And, um, you know, oftentimes that's not enough incentive for a pharmaceutical company to pursue therapy because it's just a very small population. And um, so it was really somewhat of a philanthropic organization. I really liked what they were doing. And one of the, uh, the, the primary... Um, condition that the company was focusing on was narcolepsy. Uh, they had a, this medication, sodium oxabate, which had a controversial past. It had been used for a variety of applications and, um, in Europe and Russia and the United States, but it had been researched for, uh, for probably since the 1960s. And um, it also had abuse liability. So it, had, it was used on the streets for abuse, uh, for, you know, to... Uh, people would get high from it. So it had this 
this you know, this con- controversial. Do you, do you have story. any more? Do you have any samples of these of these? Yeah, I was gonna say, sounds great, Dan. I'll meet you in the van. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, boy, it made it so interesting to work with that medication. I'll tell you because <laughs> you have people that had you know you had the advocates that were that felt you know from the narcolepsy network that were a part of early clinical trials that were. Like, you know, this, there's nothing that works like this drug. And, there, you know, this is a condition that has very serious ramifications, massive impact on quality of life. And there's really not a, a many great therapeutic options for them. And then, and they had, you know, there was a, a loud voice of people that had been using this medication. And they're, they're like, wow, this is, there's nothing better. We really need this. And then there was another group that was like, hey, this is a, a drug of abuse. It's on the streets. You know, we need to remove this poison from the streets. You cannot approve this for, for, you know, this, this group of people. It'll just unleash a major problem into society. And so being a part of that conversation was, um, was really, really interesting. And um, ultimately, so I worked in medical affairs. So I ran um, a research grant program and scientific publications for the company. So it was just about the best job in the world because I – got to review grant proposals for um, people that were top in their field to research the, the, this drug, this medication for a specific condition that they were experts in, Parkinson's disease, essential tremor, fibromyalgia. So it was really, it was just a great exposure. And, and that got me interested in sleep, obviously. So I'd be going to the, you know, the various sleep conferences every year. And my interest in the topic of sleep just built and built and built and now I'm doing my own research. So I'm looking at how chronic sleep deficiency or even short-term acute chronic sleep restriction can influence decision-making, particularly around food choice. And uh, it's a fascinating, it's a really fascinating conversation, uh, a topic, and uh, I love what I do. So that is um, kind of a partial description of my academic interests. And then um, I also developed a behavior model several years ago, so a model that would predict how to take somebody from, you know, not doing a certain set of behaviors to actually doing them and sustaining them long term. And so after that model was developed, I started my company, Dance Plan. So I started basically my PhD in the company at the same time. And um, I've been working on both for the last couple of years, and it's a it's really rewarding that I get to have one foot in academia and then another foot in kind of an entrepreneurial endeavor where I get to try to create tools that help people with these lifestyle goals. And uh, you know, obviously, it's a major need. And so at the Ancestral Health Symposium was just this last weekend, and I got to present on how these new technologies, quantified self technologies like Fitbit trackers and you know these wireless pedometers can help us live more like our ancestors so was, that was a, a fun time yeah that's one of those like i actually have a fitbit because of some conversations that you and i had um uh you know several months ago and yeah i mean it's like people are like well our ancestors didn't have fitbits well yeah our ancestors didn't have a whole lot of other stuff too so to me it's like everything that we add that separates us more from our natural habitats we need to have some type of like equal and, you know, for every uh, action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. There needs to be something like, like for instance, the, the uh, example I always use is foam rolling. Like, mm-hmm. you know, our ancestors didn't need have foam rollers. Well, yeah, well, they, they didn't need to unglue tissues that were 
glued up because they were stuck in a flexed position all day. Like they, their foam rolling was their life. They just walked around and they're, you know, so, so that's, that kind of goes along with, with every domain of health. And I almost look at technology and stuff like that as like, uh, and this is a real weird example, but like there's an episode of the Simpsons where like they unveil this like portal from one dimension to the other through the wall. And when they're going from their current dimension to their other one to say safe, they tie a rope, uh, so that when they go into the other dimension, they can always pull themselves back. I almost look at like that technology as like a tether to keep us in track. We didn't have to keep track with things like that, you know, millions of years ago, but we kind of have to now and be intentional about it. Yeah, our, our ancestors also didn't have all the the horrible and unhealthy food choices that right. you know there wasn't. They didn't have to use willpower to avoid Oreo cookies because there were no Oreo cookies. But um, yeah. but let's go back to some of the sleep stuff. Uh, I know that's kind of uh, uh, how I first heard of you was was through some sleep talks that you had given. So let's talk about that. Let's uh, you know you, somebody is complaining to you. It, it's ten o'clock at night, and they're complaining to you about they they're tired. They they fall asleep immediately, but they they have you know they 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 can't stay asleep, and they always wake up too early, and they're always exhausted. And while they're complaining to you, they're holding their phone in their hand, checking email. So like, what is like sort of the quick? You know, how do you explain it? Because how I do it is kind of like start from okay when you're out in the wild, you know, like the sun sets and the orange light and all that. So how kind of how do you explain the sleep and, and wake cycles? Yeah, so um, you know, I, I kind of dovetailing the both discussions on technology and you know living like our ancestors. In fact, I'll make a comment on that and then I'll talk about how I address that specific sleep concern. Is that okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So I think, you know, Rob, Rob Wolf made a really interesting comment a long time ago. I think somebody wrote this on his blog. Um, but, you know, this, the paleo idea, this ancestral health idea is not about doing a historical reenactment because that's just not really a legitimate way to approach this. You know, few people are going to just give up all modern luxuries and move out to the, you know, the wilderness to try to reenact the most, you know, natural type of existence that they can. I don't think that that's the goal. I think the goal really is to try to identify what was like life like before technology, right? Before we have been enabled to do things like drive cars and to live inside under temperature controlled environments and to use technology to produce all sorts of new food substances. There's an, an incredible panoply of ways in which technology enables us to live differently than before. So when we do these estimations, whether it's through anthropology, whether it's looking at, you know, the available sciences, you know, that, to say, okay, well, what was life like then? How much light exposure did we get, right, during the day, during the evening and at night? What was the type of food that we ate? What was the movement patterns that we maintained? I think that that can serve as the basis for modern-day health directives, right? It's, it's a, and it doesn't have to be exclusively reliant upon that, but you can conflate those estimates with what the current science says from things like exercise physiology, nutritional sciences, sleep neurobiology, et cetera. And then you can start to get a little more of an understanding of perhaps the, the best pattern or patterns that the human body can maintain to support its physiology. Now, once we have those directives, we can use things like technology really to promote that, right? So you know, at the let's say we, and I'll just kind of create a arbitrary example. Um, and actually, this is from something a little. Uh, this is actually legitimate. Now, there are 
questions about how much physical activity uh, pre-modern humans maintained. But some estimates show that it was somewhere between, you know, around, they'd walk about five miles a day and then maybe run another mile. So they were active, but not incredibly so. And then they would do things like run, jump, carry, climb, throw throughout the day. So this intermittent bursts of activity, right? But now that we have this idea of approximately how much walking um, an ancestral human would do, and we conflate that with, again, modern day research that looks at um, the amount of you know steps taken and things you know reductions in um, insulin insensitivity and diabetes or cancers or right and we see okay this actually seems to be you know around ten thousand steps a day seems to be a really good objective right now these quantified self tools that you wear on you these are passive sen- sensors that you can wear on your body and they they can collect data. And it really it, the data collection is just the very beginning part of it's that the value is what do you do with the data once you have it? But now that these small sensors can wirelessly transmit the data, they can integrate with these systems. If those systems are designed by people that have really good knowledge about what we should be trying to promote, then you can help to create awareness, right? And self-awareness evolved as a part of self-regulatory capability. It helps us regulate our own behavior. So if you set a goal, okay, I want to get 10,000 steps a day because I want to be healthy. This is a component of that. Then you can measure it. You can get feedback, right? So it's just helping us be mindful over goals that we set. And hopefully those goals are aligned with proper health objectives, right? And, you know, things might change here and there. You know, we might find out over time, well, actually, you only need 8,000 steps or you really need 12,000 or what. But right now, it seems like it's a pretty good measure, and likewise, you can do the same thing with, with sleep. So to kind of segue from that part of the conversation, the reason I wanted to mention that is because, as you say, you know, people might be having trouble sleeping, but they're also using technologies late into the evening. And one thing that we know is a real problem with sleep quality is getting the wrong amounts of light day, evening, and night. All right. So if you look at the determinants of good sleep, the things that matter are timing, intensity, and duration. Right, so for good to get good sleep, those each ones will independently affect how good of sleep you get. All right, so duration is simple; it's how much time in bed do you spend within a 24-hour period. Timing, also easy; it's when does the sleep occur. Right, so let's say you slept for, you know, you usually sleep eight hours, and that, and you sleep from let's say midnight to eight, but you know the next night you go to bed at you know, four in the morning and you wake up at, at, you know, at noon, right? So you've gotten eight hours, but that timing of that sleep is shifted. Even though it's still eight hours, it won't actually be as restorative. And then intensity is the concatenation of the different sleep stages, the amplitude of the depth, the depth of sleep, right? So that has to do more with the mechanics of actual sleep, but you can, each one of those again is going to independently affect how restored you feel. Now, you can, when you think about that, you, there are things that you can do to modify each one to encourage getting good sleep. Now, sleep duration is easy. Plan to get, you know, if you want to sleep eight hours, don't plan on being in bed for six, right? right. Probably plan on being in bed for eight and a half hours. Well, Rick's right? problem is that he is spends a lot of time in bed, but he ain't sleeping. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, man. That's where the magic happens, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I encourage that. So, yeah. <laughs> um, Sorry, totally yeah. derailed you, Sam. So. Yeah. Way no, to go, no. Mark. 
Uh, and then, yeah, for, so timing is really influenced by, by lighting. So we, many people, you know, right now there's a real stress on cognitive work, cognitive job, sitting in front of a computer, uh, and surprising as it might be, the light intensity from a, a, a lit room, even a well-lit room, is much less intense than the lighting that you get outside, right? So at midday. So the light from sunshine is many, is, you know, orders of magnitude more intense than even what seems like, you know, bright light. So the eyes have a hard time perceiving the differences in light intensity. You go from a really well-lit room to outside, it's not going to, you're not going to notice that degree of difference, but it's, you know, outdoors on a brightly lit day, it's probably a hundred thousand lux. That's how, that's the light intensity from outside. And then indoors, it's maybe 8,000 lux, right? So it's a big, big difference. And there are cells in our retina called intrinsically photosensitive retinal ganglion cells. These are special cells that receive light and transduce that signal uh, into a nerve signal. And then that nerve signal will go back to different parts of the brain. So if it's rods and cones that are doing that in the back of the retina, it'll go to the primary visual cortex and where we turn light into images. Right? And if it's these retinal ganglion cells, it actually doesn't go back to the visual cortex, but it goes back to the master clock, which is called the, the it's the suprachiasmatic nucleus. It's part of the hypothalamus. This is a part of the brain that is basically orchestrating the timing of all sorts of body, bodily activities, whether it be cell cycle and growth and repair processes, whether it's behavior, whether it's sleep and wake patterns. So that's right. So sleep and wake it themselves is actually a circadian rhythm. And so when you have mistimed lighting, not enough during the day, too much in the evening, it can make you feel sleepy during the day, over alert in the evening. And it's one of the major contributing factors to why we're getting about 20% less sleep than we were in 1960s. You just feel tired all day, but then you feel alert before bed and it cuts into how much sleep you get. Yeah. And, and a lot of, th- a lot of people don't understand that like when you, every day, and uh, for those that don't know, uh, circadian uh, sort of stems from the Latin about a day. Um, Thanks, so Mark. Also, I, I just wanted to, I wanted to throw this in real quick. You've been using a lot of big, uh, smart, important-sounding words. Rick, uh, on a on a recent uh, video that we published on the Simply Human YouTube channel, just he makes up big words. Yeah, I made up a word. I thought it was <laughs> yeah. a real word. I totally made it up. But yeah, yeah, those were all made up. What I just yeah. said. None of that is <laughs> medulla oblongata. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, okay, let me let me ask you this, Dan. I, I don't know if you yeah. listen to the show, but I am an, an overnight worker. I work from six p.m. to 6 a.m. Uh, and I've been doing that for quite a while. What yeah. are some tips? And, and I understand it's not good for me. I understand that, like it's never going to be my sleep quality during the daytime is never going to be what it is. Like, uh, you know, if you are in bed with your little tiny orange lights at 10 p.m. and all that, what are some things that those of us that maintain weird schedules for the purpose, we don't have a choice around it. We maintain weird schedules yeah. because we have to. What are some things that we can do to make sure that we're getting some of this good sleep that you're talking about. Yeah, so tell me a little bit more about your schedule. How how many times a week or a month do you flip uh, off your schedule? I work uh, 12-hour days, so in a given two-week period, I work yeah. seven days and I'm off seven days. Usually my schedules, I work Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then I work every other Sunday. Those okay. days that I work, I wake up about 2.30 in the afternoon I yeah. get up, I have about an hour and a half before I go to work. And then I, when I get home, I'm home by 6.30 or so in the morning and I go to sleep and I take some melatonin and I wear the little orange glasses. 
Uh, and I'm usually asleep within probably about 20 minutes or so. Uh, the yeah. days that I'm not working, uh, it's not quite exactly like a regular person's schedule. I usually sleep till around like 10 in the morning and I usually yeah. go to sleep around, you know, midnight ish or so. So I kind of modify it a little bit, but not all the way like some people do. Yeah. So thanks for that detail. I would there say try to modify your sleep. Um, yeah, or excuse me. So what you want to do is try to minimize the amount that you're having to shift where you can. So like you said, you said on the days where you're not working, you'll wake up at 10 and go to bed at midnight. You could even shift that more. So you're, you know, you're going to bed at, or you're waking up at 11 and you're going to bed at one, right? So depending on how well that works for me, for you in a social context, mm -hmm. the less you actually have to shift, the, the better, right? The more alert you'll be during work, um, the you know, the more alert you'll be during your days off. And so you're saying keep it, keep, try to keep my days off schedule a little bit closer to my days on schedule, basically. As close as you can. Okay. Yeah, as close as you can. You don't want a, a ton of shifting because when you do, it takes, you, you can't shift your schedule. It can only shift up to a certain amount of hours per day, right? right. About three. So, and that three, if you're, really optimizing light exposure, right? So if you're, let's say you go, uh, let's say you just maintain, you don't have that shifting in your schedule, but you do some travel across the time zone. So you go to San Francisco, to Italy, and you arrive there, right? Your, your biological timing is reversed to what the, you know, the, the clock timing is where you land. Right. So if you want to adjust that, it's miserable, but, you know, try to eat on schedule, of, on the schedule of Italy, right? Um, That's a spice of meatball, uh. <laughs> Sorry. Exactly. Sorry. Eat all that. Yeah. <laughs> Do what Mark says. And then get outside as much as you can. So get as much light as possible. And you can shift your schedule uh, up to three hours a day. So if you have – if you're shifting – now that's kind of, a, kind of an illustrative example of, of how much we can shift. Um, if you need uh, – and so therefore, by the way, I'll just close that thought – it, it's still going to take you when you arrive in Italy. It's going to take you, you know, perhaps five to ten days to where you feel like your biological timing is perfectly in sync with the clock timing of, of there. So, you know, breakfast feels like breakfast, lunch you know, yeah. feels like lunch, etc. So, if you have, if you're, you know, let's say, usually, what time do you go to bed when you're working? You get home at six and go to bed by you said uh, seven or eight. Well, I get off at six. I'm home by like six thirty, and I'm. Mm. Most of the time, I'd say I'm asleep by 7 a.m. Yeah, okay. So like I said, if you can try to reduce that amount of time that you're shifting, you know, if you can go to bed at 2 a.m. every night on your, on your days off, and that means you're getting up later, that's going to be better, right? You're going to perform better because there's basically two different categories that you can look at for um, kind of circadian control. You have behavioral issues which can be loss of coordination, um, loss of you know, motor function, increased risk for accidents. And then there's physiological changes as well, which is you know, drop in core body temperature, heart rate fl uh, fluctuations. And ultimately, it can you know, lead to increases in things like cancer. And part of that uh, it has to do with the fact that our bodies are primed to do a certain activity at a certain time of day. And then when you shift the timing of that, then things like you know processes that will quell cancer formation might actually not be initiated, right? Because the body is out of sync, right? So there is risk to this. The other possibility is that 
what you know, we're, which many of us are faced with, is that we're getting less light. So not only, or excuse me, less darkness. So not only are we getting less sleep, right, about 20% than we were 50 years ago, but a lot of the time that we're awake, it's filled with artificial light. So melatonin is a darkness hormone, right? That means it's, a, it's produced in response to a very dim light intensity, dim to none, entering into the eye, right? Or like a, sun, when, a sunset kind of a atmosphere, yeah. Suns, yeah. So, be kind of beyond sunset, right. when there's a little bit of light left in the, you know, in the in the environment, when that intensity of light is entering into the eye, you'll the body will undergo a process called dim light melatonin onset. All right. But now, what do we do? We're in homes. We turn on lights. We turn on computers. We turn on high definition high definition televisions, and so light is still entering in the eye. So, in this kind of ancestral niche, we had. When light would go down, we might turn on a fire. And by the way, the tone of the light emitted by fire does not stimulate those retinal cells in the eye. So you can see, but you're, it's, you're not giving the, your brain a signal that it's day, right? And that's really important. Right. And what about like, like tonight, you know, like last night was a big, huge full moon. If we were living out in the woods or something, there would be a lot of light at night. But does the moonlight, I know it's more white tone than like fire, I've always wondered about that. Like, if I go outside and I can I take off my orange glasses because it's like a natural moonlight? Do you know anything about that? Well, you know, there. So, just like, so what? What are the things that matter for for sleep quality? Timing, intensity, and duration. What are the things that matter for light? Timing, intensity, history, right? Duration of exposure. It's actually very similar, right? So, history means how much? What was the light exposure that you got earlier in the day? Did you go for a walk in the morning? Right. Timing means, yeah, let's say if you're getting really bright light late at night, then that's going to have an influence about, you know, where your brain thinks daytime is and where it tries to kind of move around that schedule. Um, The wavelength has to do with, you know, is the tone of the light bright white? Does it have a lot of blue in it? Is it more amber toned? All right. So it turns out that blue light is what these cells are most responsive to, right? If there's, if you are looking at light that has a, a lot, it's rich with blue light. It tells your eyes, tells your brain that so, it's day. Now, what about like a, a technically artificial light, but in like an orange light bulb? Yeah. Would so that work? there are, there are light bulbs now that are made that are designed to try to filter blue light. And so this creates something called circadian darkness or virtual darkness and where you can see, but you're not telling your brain that it's day. All right. So, you know, I think right now the best kind of advice that we can give people is to, you know, try to get outside as much as you can during the day, but you you need at least about a half an hour of sun exposure um, to really anchor your circadian rhythms about a half an hour of sun exposure during the day outside lets your brain know, yes, this is daytime. And if you get that, light at night is less likely to cause your circadian rhythms to try to advance or shift or delay. Right. All right. So to go back to the question about the moon, even though it seems very bright, it's actually the light intensity from the moon is not very strong. Right. Compared to like midday. Yeah. Yeah. So you've got to look at a combination of factors, right? And that includes... You know, if, if you're outside and you're camping and you've been outside all day 
you're going to have a really locked down circadian rhythm. And even if it's a full moon at night, it's not going to do anything to move your cool, move your, your clock timing at all or yeah. your biological clock timing. Cool. Now I, I, um, can't believe this we're we're coming up on time there's a couple things I, I have to ask you the question but before we get there i wanted to uh ask you about dance plan but just real quick you mentioned something about we are designed to do certain things at certain times of day and i know rick has always sort of part of his schedule is like reproductive activities happen between six and nine o'clock so would you talk about uh mm. would you talk about dan's plan uh and sort of how that's <laughs> just real briefly how can people find dan's plan and uh you know, what, how can they, you know, sign up for that and, and all that good stuff? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, so it's a, it's a free site. This is the website that I put together that is, that intends to operationalize this behavior model. So, uh, the behavior model is called the loop model to sustain health behaviors. So, so this idea is we have this collection of things that we think are good for us. How do you turn this into basically a system that's like a dashboard for your health, right? You look at a dashboard on the car, and it tells you, you know, your gas level, oil, oil level, speed, right? It gives you this valuable feedback, and that helps you regulate your behavior to keep your car functioning well. And it's a very similar analogy to this sort of dashboard style thing for your, for your health. And that's what Dance Plan has created. So you sign up. You can either manually enter information like sleep, sleep weight, exercise, walking, or you can integrate these devices like a Fitbit or Withing Scale, these wireless scales. And the idea is that you're collecting this data on yourself, and then it gives you feedback and lets you know if you're living in your zone of health, right? So it's everything that we do is designed to try to help you create and sustain an effective daily health practice. So um, I find it really useful. Uh, we have a lot of a lot of members that really like it. Um, and it's simple, you know, and there's a lot of, you know, these new devices, they're, you know, from a commercial perspective, they have to outcompete each other. So they keep wanting to add features, right? Right. But those features may not necessarily be very beneficial, you know, like you know, your, your dashboard on your car is not better because you can like your friend's Facebook status, right? It's, <laughs> right. it's, it's beauty is in its simplicity. It does it, it does a job, it gives you really good feedback and, and it helps you kind of, again, modify your behavior. And because, you know, if you're a device manufacturer like Fitbit and you're competing with Jawbone, if, if Jawbone can say, Oh, well, we do five more things for the same price, you know, a consumer that's just getting involved with this might say, Oh, you know, actually, yeah, I want to do those extra, you know, this might as well get this one. Really, I think, you know, what we try to do is say, okay, what is the most important things that we can track well? And let's use, let's, let's keep a laser focus on those. So the value that the feedback, the user experience is easy and the feedback is valuable. Cool. So that's Dan's plan. It's free. Check it out if you'd like. Yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll link to it and I'll also link to your cool. ebook. Um, it's yeah. out there and you know, it's just like, I, I had like 17 other topics. So we're going to have to have you back on. I want to talk to you about leptin resistance and insulin resistance sure. and fat burning and all that good stuff. So there's just a, we just, it was just a tip, just the tip of the iceberg <laughs> with what it was just the tip of the iceberg with Dan on this one. Uh, and, uh, geez, I tend to be verbose. So I apologize. No, no, no. This <laughs> well, is... no I mean, you're, you're extraordinarily knowledgeable and you're passionate about the topic and you know, we could devote and we have before an entire episode to one particular thing. So that's why it's great to have you on. That's, you know, you're so knowledgeable, especially about sleep. That's what your background is. And sleep, I think, and I think Mark would probably agree with me. It's one of the things that's most overlooked in overall yeah. health and wellness. When we talk about, you know, how much you're exercising, how much you're eating, but there's things that we don't talk about. We don't talk about stress. 
stress management, but mobility that often. And we definitely don't talk about sleep because I can't tell you someone that I know that would be like, yep, sure is great. I get seven and a half hours of shut eye every night. Like no one gets good sleep. Right. Everyone has distractions. Yeah. And so that's why it's so awesome, you know, to talk to you, to get tips and information about why this is so important to us, you know? Yeah, very, very we're cool. Great, yeah. We're, we're going to have to have like a just, yeah, we'll have you back on and just do like a how to burn fat topic and we'll just hit that for 30 minutes i think that would be, oh, that would be awesome yeah. so yeah we'll do that sometime well, we don't fall. have we don't have too many like uh super sciencey people on but i want to tell you also dan you said this in your interdict in your introduction that you gave uh, i'm a fan of the hard sciences as well uh you know me and you we, yeah. we're scientists I'm, I'm looking here at my bunsen burner <laughs> and my uh, microscope and all he's my, wearing a lab, a coat. lab coat so me and you we're, we're birds of a feather dan <laughs> i love it I, <laughs> that's great you know it's uh, it, it's, it's fun because you, I, I'm glad that we, you know, the show went as it did today. Cause I, I would rather go a little bit deeper on a topic so that people get a better idea of like, okay, what are the different things that matter and how right. is it influenced you know? And so you can really kind of gain knowledge on this and know what to do. Um, but I'd be happy to come back and talk about stuff with you guys. Yeah. Time. And, so coming up in yeah. the fall, uh, we'll have Dan back on and have a, just a fat burning, uh, topic. And before I let you go. I have strong opinions on that. Yes. Yes. I have the. I have to ask you the question. What is one thing you enjoy about life, or something you do to make life more enjoyable? I go for walks. Nice. Um, it's it's kind of a meditative process for me. So I try to get outside for about a half an hour a day. I really, I really try to. You know, when I particularly when I feel like I don't have time, I know that I need to schedule a half an hour walk. I do a lot of thinking. I either listen to audiobooks on my walk. Oh, me feel too. Like I need to. What are you listening process. to right now? Uh, right now, I'm listening to um, uh, "Thinking Fast and Slow" by Daniel Kahneman. Cool, very cool. And "The Future of the Mind" by Echio Kaku, which is a fascinating book. Both of them are really great. "The Future of the Mind." I'll link to it. Yeah. I'm listening to "Game of Thrones," which takes like four oh. years to listen to. So, um, right. So that, well, yeah. that's a, that's such a great answer to Dan because. Uh, We've had a lot of people on. We try to ask that to everybody, and everybody usually generally says, you know, kind of the same things. You know, it's been tough with my family. I like to go outside. You're the first person that's given that answer of I take walks, and that's mm. important to what we do. It's uh, you know, we've already talked about you know trying to keep our ancestral roots and doing a lot of walking. Walk as much as you can. That's something Jason Seib tells us a lot is is do a ton of walking. But uh, the meditative aspect of going on a walk and just thinking and kind of like not turning your brain off, but doing the opposite, turning it on to the things that you need to have it turned on to. Right. I think that's a, a really, really good perspective you have. Cool. Yeah. Thanks. You know, it's, it's, it's healthy. I'm getting, I'm getting low intensity physical activity. I'm getting outside. So I'm getting sunlight. I'm giving my time. I'm, I'm either giving myself some time to learn some new information or I'm sometimes I'll try to listen to something and it's just not happening because I need to think. So I'll process, you know, I'll turn everything off, maybe put on some music or not. And then I'm allowing my mind to kind of chew through some topics that it's needing to kind of work on. So it's a, it's a meditative process. It's valuable in a bunch of different ways. And, you know, I'm pretty committed to it. It's a, uh, it doesn't always happen, but I, I definitely try to find time to make it happen. And I, uh, as we wrap up, I, uh, you know, I 
add value to my neighborhood, everyone that lives in my neighborhood, because when I go on walks, I usually don't wear pants. So, um, okay, Dan, this has been such a pleasure. I'm sorry we ran out of time. And uh, keep keep, uh, listening, folks, because Dan, I'll email you and we'll be in touch because I want to talk to you more about the corporate wellness stuff and and hopefully, uh, you know, collaborate and put our heads together and and think of some stuff that we can work on together. Um, But uh, yeah, we'll have you back on in the fall and do a, a single topic show. But I really, I know you're busy and got a lot going on. Really, really appreciate you uh, taking the time out and being on the Simple Human Podcast. Dansplan.com, by the way. Dansplan.com. It's a super complicated website name, I know, but like everyone go to that. Dansplan, and you'll see what he's talking about with the dashboard stuff. It's really kind of great ideas, and that's what I want to talk about next time, too. So, cool. All right. Thanks. Thanks, Dan. Thank you, guys. You're listening to the Simply Human Podcast. Thank you, Dan. I will link to all his stuff in the show notes. He's got a lot of cool stuff going on. Uh, It's just a great, brilliant guy. So, uh, Dan, party, everybody. Coming up on the Humans Being Human Open, it is Tim Wacker of uh, Loyal Listener. And you explained this in the story. We've been mispronouncing his name this whole time, right? No, it is Wacker. Yeah, it is Tim Wacker. Actually, it's German and it's uh, pronounced Tim Walker. But oh, okay. he okay. got yeah. You, you okay. we'll, we'll explain why he eventually was just like you know. I just wanted to make any corrections wacker. if we needed to. Yeah, I always feel bad about that. Yeah, and then uh, his story is a pretty funny one about um, a misunderstanding a word that his date used. Joining us today on the Humans Being Human Open Edition, we have Tim Wacker. And Tim, I asked you off air, you know, if that's how you said your name, and apparently, okay. J- Say what you said, like how you used to, you know, get people to try to say your name. Well, the rest, my the rest of my family pronounces it Walker because it's German, and I gave up around sixth grade or so on correcting the teacher because, like, the first day of class was like, you know, I, I knew my name was coming because it's alphabetical, and then, and it's towards the like, end, so like, yeah, yeah people so are getting I'm just restless. Waiting, I'm waiting. And it's like, <laughs> Tim Wacker, and then everybody giggles, and then like you guys know it's actually pronounced Walker, but it, it looks like Wacker. So, I've ever since that, I'm, there was like a turning point. I was like, yeah, it's, I'm giving up. It, it's Wacker. Yeah. So like, I'll call my dad, and he'll still say Walker, yeah. or whatever, and or you're my just, sister, you're, and and you're like, guys, why don't y'all just own it? Just own the <laughs> Wacker. Yeah, everybody, everybody likes my last. <laughs> like I was in the Marine Corps, and boy, they loved it. Yeah, sure. So then you emailed this a really funny story. So, yes. so break this down. This is what your junior year of high school. I was I was a senior. Okay. And, you know, I was telling I was telling my wife about this, and she's like, "Well, what story are you gonna tell?" I I told her I'm gonna tell her this one. She's like, "That story's not funny." That like, is <laughs> to guys. It is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it it was a lesson in uh, having a, a large vocabulary. So. Uh, <laughs> so okay. So where did you grow up? Uh. <laughs> That in itself is, is a long story. I, I moved around a lot as a kid. Um, I was born in Nebraska, moved to Southern California when I was little, you know, moved to a small town in Northeast Washington in fifth grade, moved to Portland Man. when I was a sophomore. In the middle of my sophomore year, the day baseball started in my other town, but baseball on I also I'll never forget that because I missed baseball that year. Ah. And then um, <laughs> and then I moved. I had two schools that I went to in Portland. So that, that kind of – fits in a little bit because I'm a, I'm a shy guy and uh and I moved around a lot and like I went to three different high schools basically and it, it yes. took me like 
took me a long time to make friends. Right. So you and... didn't have like a girl that you've known since like preschool or something that you. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the school I went to in 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 Washington was a, a B school. It was a small school. Like we did have eleven man football, but just um, barely. I, I, yeah, I think barely. <laughs> we had to play both sides, you know, and right. so you're exhausted by the end of the game. And I think right now they don't even do eleven man football. They're not even in the any in any division. They just kind of. Play just, games, yeah. Get them, so. <laughs> they just go out in the field and sort of run around. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a, I mean, forty so people in the in the class. So I went from a school that I knew all the girls in high school in every grade to a school in Portland that was a four A school, and I I played football there too, and and, uh, and I would see somebody new every day. And right. So it was pretty overwhelming. And top top that with my my shyness. It, it it took it took a lot to ask a girl out. Yeah. Okay. Date. And that that is an important point to the story. It's like okay. Yes. So leading into this, I mean, this is not just like some like playboy. Like, what's up? We're going out tonight, no. girl. I mean, this is like you have to like like get all of your resolve, like all the strength that you that you can possibly muster from your yes. whole life and ask a girl out. <laughs> yes. Yes. It took. Um. It was it was a big deal. I. Uh, it took like. Once, you know, I saw like a cute girl or somebody that I wanted to ask on a date, I was like, okay, first doing the reconnaissance, you know, <laughs> does she have a boyfriend? Uh, what grade is she in? Uh, do I have any, you know, did I just not recognize her? And she's one of my classes. You right, know, what's right, her, right. where's her looker at? How am I going to do this? Planning stuff in my mind. Like, what am I going to say? How am I going to break the ice? You know, and so it was like a month, you know, three weeks, four weeks of, of planning. And then, you have like a whole committee Execution, that's like yeah. dedicated to your strategy. Like, yeah, it's like this whole big thing. Yeah. Yeah. It, so it's a big deal. So, so yeah. And like I said, I, yeah, I do not definitely have uh, the, the skills with the ladies. Or whatever. <laughs> well, neither did I. I say that. Because I, the reason I can say that is because I was like, I was just talking to my brother this weekend. It's like, man, at like 33, what we know now, if we could go back and like tell our like 14 year old selves, Man, yes. it would be a lot yes. different ball game. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, so anyway, okay. So so okay. So all that and um, take that and so I finally there was this junior. I was a senior, so this is uh, okay. I graduated '97, so um, it was either '96 or '97. That's my senior year. And there was this junior on the dance team that, okay, that I liked. Good start. And, uh, I was like, I was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask her out. So I went, went through my whole thing, you know, and and finally finally got the gum jump to ask her out on a date. And, uh, and she said, yeah, oh, that's a that big, good first step. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I did have a problem with the first date. I, I don't think I ever said I got no for a first date. It was the second date that usually, uh, <laughs> you never really did well in the job interview. And so like, <laughs> yeah. like we'll call like, you. Yeah. Like, this guy seems nice. I guess we'll give him a try, you know? And, yeah. and uh, but, uh, anyways, so, um, and, uh, so I asked her out and she said, yes. So, okay. Date night's coming, you know? And I, Maybe it was because my typical date was like take her out to Cold Stone and catch a movie kind of thing. Right. You know, maybe that's but um so that, that's what we plan on doing. That's what we did. So but so I had a um I had a, a sweet truck. It was a sixty five Ford pickup Ooh. um short bed. Awesome. And it was they're kinda hard to find. And I, re- I had a it, it was a nice truck. So uh so um the date night comes and I'm I'm driving my truck over to her place and my, my truck starts uh, stalling on me on the on the road and it starts dying. <laughs> And I'm like, oh man! So it, it happens a couple times, and and I start it up, and I kind of get my way, and I, finally I reach it to I reach your house. Like you've got enough and, to worry about now. Your truck is stalling. Yeah. yeah. Now my truck, and, and you know, and luckily those old trucks are pretty easy to work on. Yeah. But um, 
<clears throat> so it's not the first time something's happened, but this was, this was like date night. This is like when I need it. Yeah. And, um, so I, 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 uh, you know, I have to ask her if, if it's okay if she drives, cause it's, we're not going to get anywhere in my truck, you know? Yeah. And so, and, and luckily she was, oh, she was a junior and had a car. So, you know, it's, nice. Phew. so it's like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Where would I be without, if she was younger or, or was a junior without a car. Yeah, can, and, your uh, mom, can your mom drive us to Cold Stone? Yeah, that? yeah. That'd be weird. <laughs> they take us, take us to the, take us to the movie. Yeah. And, but, uh, um, so she said, yeah. So we, so we hopped in her car and, you know, she turns her car and we start driving and then the, her stereo comes on, of course. And, and she's listening to, uh, the Steve Miller band. She had the Steve Miller band's greatest hits tape in, inside. And, and we're listening. I'm like, hey, this is really cool. Cause I was just listening to this in my truck. And uh, she she just kind of made the comment that yeah everybody and their grandma has this has this tape, you know so that kind of took the, the coolness away from it. Yeah, you're like, dang it, okay, yeah. strike strike two, the trucks the truck stalled, strike two, the Steve Miller band. Yeah, it's yeah. just like and she's I driving. hate this, I hate like this tape. Three, yeah, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. So uh, so um, we did the typical, you know. So I, like I said, we took ice out, cream took and movie cold stones. Out. That's the time to do a little talking and stuff, you right, know, right. and get to know each other. And then then took out to a movie and and um, so uh, after the date ended and she's driving me back to my place, of course, because I can't. I decided to leave my truck at her place because it, who knows if I'll, I'll come back the next it's day. It's like whatever, accidentally man. leaving your wallet just so you have an excuse yeah. to call on the little, next day. A little bit bigger because it fits, you know, it's taking a room in their driveway. Yeah. It's like on their front lawn. Really cool yeah. It, yeah. And um, so, uh, you know, I'm acquiring about a second date. I'm like, well, how about, you know, what, what do you think about dating? Go on another date sometime. And, and she said, um, she replies that she receives our relationship as platonic. And I'm thinking platonic i don't know what that means but it sounds pretty good yeah yeah you're like it's like an astronomy term pluto or something okay cosmic yeah okay i know what i did not hear as i did not hear the word no right right so i'm thinking this sounds pretty good this is great this is good yes so uh the next day you know i wake up and my my parents (laughs) are asking me how how the date went and everything and (laughs) <laughs> and I'm, you know, I'm, they can tell that I'm stoked. I'm like, yeah, we're really good. You know, they wake up, you're like, your day is like the sun is shining. You're like, yeah, yeah. this is great, plutonic. Op- yeah, open my blinds, the birds are chirping. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah. And uh, and my mom, uh, she she sees me, and she sees the excitement and everything, and she's like, uh, I, I I think you should go look up that word. Well, because so, she asked, right? Like she said, like what, how'd it go? And you're like, well, it's good. You know, this happened, this happened. And then, you know, she said she yeah. wanted to be platonic and blah blah blah. Oh, yeah. yeah, and she's yeah. like, wait, uh, like she didn't want to like break your heart, so she would let, she wanted the dictionary to break your heart for her. <laughs> that's true. That's true. I, I did, she, she, and I I told my parents, I was like, yeah, she said our relationship's platonic, and that's when that's when my mom said, um, like, why is he yeah, so excited? <laughs> Yeah, I think you should go. And I had this big black fat dictionary in my in my room, and um, obviously I, I didn't use it enough or something. But uh, <laughs> you like dusted it off, <laughs> like opened yeah. it up. Like, how does this thing work? Are the are they like uh, how are they placed in here? Just sort of at random, or how do I yeah. find the word platonic? <laughs> so like, so you read the definition, and then does like the like so, the, the clouds yeah, I'm, come I'm over the rain? Part, yeah, yeah. So, I look up the de- definition and I just, I just let her this big, oh man, and she was like in the kitchen and she could hear me and, and, uh, she's and probably in there giggling crying. at you. Yeah. 
yeah, I was like, oh, and so I'm like, I'm, I'm really bummed, now, you know, and and I still got to go over to her place, to, right? Yeah, my truck's truck. over there. Yeah, I was like, you know, initially I was looking forward to going back over there because it gives me another excuse to see her right. and everything, and but now it's like, now I got to go to her place and, and get my truck. Yeah. And, uh, so um, well, so I uh, I've never forgotten what that word means. Right. Yeah. The moral of the story and, is. Do some, you know, dictionary work before you go out on a date just to make sure, like relationship yeah. dictionary. Relationship terms. Yeah. Relationship <laughs> terms. Yeah. Yeah. Make sure you got those nailed down. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess that was my introduction into, um, I, I just see us as friends line. Right. You know, like oh, yeah. a lot of women will just like, oh, I just see us as friends. Yeah. But what or maybe is, they just use that on me. Well, what but, junior, um, what junior in high school is going to go with like the, like say platonic instead yeah, yeah. of friends? Like, come on, get like, throw us a bone here. We're guys. We're not. We're not like genius scientists, you know. Like, come on. Yeah, exactly. I, I just want to be friends. That that computes. I understand yeah. that. Okay, there's no. I I get it. Okay, enough said. But yeah. platonic, you know, that's. Yeah, I don't know, that's but. different. Yeah, well, I, I you know, and I can totally relate because I, in all my years of dating, I broke up with one girl. So it, that, but that, that's kind of like the not getting asked on a second date. If you're always the one getting broken up with, it's just kind of like, yeah, we've kind of, <laughs> we kind of let this go a little farther than we thought, and we didn't really know how to do this until now. But uh, let's uh, let's end this, and then I would, you know, it'd be this big horrible big thing, and I'd go to Cold Stone by myself and eat like a big ice cream cone in sorrow. But <laughs> well, cool. Well, Tim, this was great. Uh, that's an awesome story. We're we're running up on time, and I just want to appreciate, or I just want to thank you for. Uh, emailing us and for being a loyal listener, and hopefully now that you're on you're on the show, maybe like you'll have some more of your friends that listen, and and then we'll increase to like dozens of listeners instead of tens of listeners. Dozens, yeah. yeah. And I I, uh, I told a guy at work, I was like, because um, I, I was like I'm making my paleo podcast rounds because I had a, I had a question answered oh, on sweet. the Rob Wolf. Oh no way! Yeah, yeah, and it was uh, it was episode one twenty four. So um, awesome! Um, probably was, one of the best episodes ever. It, it was. Uh, I I remember yeah. that one. It was the best. I remember thinking like that one was yeah by far the best one of all time. Yeah, right. But. So so I'm, I'm making my paleo podcast round. Nice. Uh, well, awesome. <laughs> yeah, and if uh, take a picture of yourself in the shirt and post it on the uh, on the Simply Human Facebook page or something, so everyone can see how awesome and simply human you are. And for the, and for the record. <laughs> You and I, we are going to maintain a platonic relationship as well. Yes, just yes. for the record. I, I understand. That. Okay, <laughs> yes, I, I, I would concur. Yeah. I can't say this, you know, speak the same for Rick, but uh, you know, I, I don't want to speak for him. But anyway, and and I'm I'm going to see you in Portland. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's the one thing I was going to say. Uh, September twentieth, twenty first. Uh, we're going to see you yes. at, at uh, Jason Sibes Gym for the movement workshop. So yeah, yes, it's going to be my- awesome. Yes, my wife and I will be there. We're looking forward to it. Awesome, cool, and yeah, this will this will post like the week. Wait, no. This is posting like on the August 14th, so we'll have like a month out before. So anyway, yeah. So I'm looking forward to seeing you and uh, really appreciate you being on the show. All right. Well, thanks, Mark. Thank you, Tim Wacker. And that was a great story. And big thanks to Tim for being a loyal listener of the show. It is now time for the Simply Human Tip of the Week. And this week, uh, we're going to talk about sleep. And the tip is basically going to be get as much sleep as you can get before midnight. So, uh, you know... Saying that, yeah, you're getting nine hours of sleep a night, but you're going to bed at one and waking up at 10. I mean, on one hand, that's good that you're getting nine hours of sleep. On the other hand, you're completely out of rhythm with the daily sort of design where you're supposed to sort of rest when it's dark 
and be stimulated and awake when the sun is up. Um, and so, you know, just speaking of daily cycles, you know, the full moon uh, was on the 10th, August 10th, and my daughters the and I... The super moon! Yeah, so my daughters and I always go out and, and watch the moon rise uh, every month. I know, it's really... It's really kind of nerdy, but it's a lot of fun. And they, they yeah, it sounds they, like a lot of fun. They've come to, <laughs> they've come to <laughs> expect it. So anyway, so because of like there's this yearly cycle and then we in this this monthly cycle and this daily cycle, uh, really get in tune with that. And one one of the ways that you can do that is by trying to go to bed pretty soon after the sun goes down. And and if and if you're not looking at it like that, look at it like get as much sleep as you can before midnight. So if you're going to bed at 11, try to go to bed at 10.30. If you're going to bed at 10.30, try to you know get in bed at 10 and be asleep by 10.15. Um, and, uh, and, and we're talking to Beverly Meyer next week. Uh, we talk a lot about sleep and kind of how to get back in tune with your circadian rhythms. And it's kind of a little teaser. Uh, one of those things is that you're not supposed to just, like if you just hit the, hit the pillow and you're asleep, you might be too tired. You might be overstressed and too exhausted. You know, the, going to sleep is kind of a process. And so we talked to, to Beverly Meyer a little bit more about that in episode 44. Very interesting stuff. Cool. Um, so that is the tip of the week. Any thoughts on that, Rick? Well, and I, there's bound to be a segment of this show that has weird schedule like me. Right. The whole world runs on people that uh, work weird hours and overnights. Uh, and I can attest to what you're saying. I've been on vacation for now going on uh, – a week and a couple of days, and I won't go back to work until a couple of days from now. And so I've assumed a full-on, uh, while I'm on vacation, go to sleep at nighttime, wake up in the daytime, you know, wake up in the morning kind of thing, which is odd for me. But uh, I've been going to sleep probably like 10, 30, 11 every night, which is very early for me on days I don't work. And man, I- I'm not getting as many hours as I usually get, I don't think. I mean, I-, I don't track it, but I'm probably sleeping like maybe seven hours, six, seven hours. And I have never felt more well-rested in the last couple of years awesome. than I do right now. And I attribute that to what you're saying is my body has assumed a uh, the more natural, more human, what it's supposed to be doing. Uh, now I'm going to go back to you know trying to fight that and trying to counter <laughs> that, which uh, – But know, thank you and thank bear, you. What do, yeah, thank you for your bear, What are you going to do? But uh, it's been – I can't s- stress it enough. My wife feels better. We have imposed an 11 p.m. bedtime for her because she's a night person. And if she, if you don't make her, she'll stay up till one o'clock in the morning doing right. stuff. She's more active at night. So I've imposed an 11 p.m. You must be in bed by this point. And I think she would even agree with you. She feels more well rested when she is in bed before midnight and getting some sleep. So awesome. there you go. D- don't fight your body. Don't fight it. Do what it wants to do. Uh, you know. That's your home. Go to your home. Why don't you want to go to your home? Golf ball. But like, uh, go go to your home. So your don't home yes. So don't fight your body. Take a take a lesson from the Mariah Carey song and touch my body. Okay. Um, nothing. Yeah, that's weird, man. I don't know any Mariah Carey songs. <laughs> Sorry, I uh, I heard it on uh, is playing at the gym. Um, all right. Oh, well, okay. yeah, we, we we already talked about what's coming up next week. Beverly Meyer uh, yes. and and Sean Burr, the Fret Ninja, is going to be on the Humans Being Human Open. If Very you, funny story. We just had a conversation with. Yeah. Them, if so you if, if for nothing else, tune in for that. Yeah, and if you have a Humans Being Human story that you want to share with us, please email the show at simplyhumanlifestyle at gmail.com. You can email Rick simplyhumanrick at gmail.com. Find us online 
online at simplyhumanlifestyle.com, Facebook page, YouTube channel, Simply Human Kids page, Simply Human Moms page. It's all there. Uh, appreciate you listening. I know there's a lot of things out there you could be doing. Thanks for making us part of your day. Go to iTunes and leave us a review. That helps us out in the rankings. Uh, and to get more exposure so more people can hear the message on uh, training on how to get to be a more healthy human. So that's going to do it for this edition of the Simple Human Podcast. And remember... I can only imagine what they're thinking when I like put them down in the bag and there's like 40 like frozen dead crickets. <laughs> they're just well, like, ah! they're not thinking anything because they're crickets. Oh, right, right. Of course. They're thinking. Char, char. So until next time, enjoy yourself. Enjoy yourself.